Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today on the show is Justin Covey, director of Cedar Care Village Pharmacy. He had considered a career in engineering, but when his college professor suggested a pivot to pharmacy, it was the connection with chemistry, one of his favorite subjects in school, that sold him. Listen to see how Justin desires to influence the next generation of pharmacists for Christ. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, host of the podcast that loves sharing Cedarville stories for God's glory. Today's podcast is no exception, as I will be talking with Dr. Justin Kobe, the Director of Pharmacy Services at Cedar Care Village Pharmacy in the village of Cedarville. Dr. Kobe started at the pharmacy in September after leading Health Partners Free Clinic in Troy for nearly nine years. Cedar Care Village Pharmacy was started out of a desire by Cedarville School of Pharmacy and Cedarville University to provide excellent community pharmacy care for residents throughout Greene County. As a result, it is known as a teaching pharmacy because several of Cedarville's pharmacy students receive practical pharmacy experience at Cedar Care. Dr. Kobe is a graduate of the Ohio Northern School of Pharmacy and it's a great pleasure to welcome him today on the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate being here. So how, how did you get interested in pharmacy? Because I ask this because I know at Ohio Northern, you started to, to pursue a degree in engineering, but then you shifted to pharmacy. Why yeah. make the switch? Right. I, I can't say pursue because I went to the tour oh. and I was quickly turned off. I couldn't even get through the tour. I was so bored by the tour. I was in the math department and thought I can't do this in my life. Really, my uncle was one of the first in our family to go to college, and I always, uh, he, he was a great uh, mentor and role model, so I wanted to follow in his footsteps, and he was, he was an engineer. Uh, but once I got on campus, though, and I was so distraught that I don't know what to do now, they quickly came along and said, well, what, are you, what are your interests? What are you good at? I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I, do, I do well chemistry. Well, you should try pharmacy, and it was over. That, and it was the only place I applied to. So right. it was really the Lord pointing me right there and then. Well, you, you, it was the only place that you applied to because we didn't have a pharmacy school yet. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's actually completely true. When I came here and spoke for the very first time, and I looked around at all these believers, and they were praying before class, like, what is this place? I right. totally would have would have signed up for what you had here. Well, we're glad you're here now <laughs> and uh, leading down the village uh, in a great way. As I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you directed the health Partners Free Clinic in Troy for nearly nine years. Yeah, and I should I should say that for our listeners' uh, benefit that the mission of the Free Clinic was really to serve the uninsured or the underinsured or the the underserved people, right? With great health care. Yeah. Why was that mission so important to you? Well, I, I have to go back to 2012. I was just burning out in a corporate position um, with a a big box chain and. I went on a couple of missions trips. I went to Haiti, went to Colombia. And when I came back, it's like they got put on mute. You know what I mean? Like everything they thought was important no longer became important to me. Yeah. And I am a I am a business free market guy. I love it. I love entrepreneurial right. innovation and pursuit, but not the way they were doing it. It didn't feel right. So I, I knew I had to get out of there. I made a promise to myself if I was ever in a position where I knew I wasn't going to give my best for a company, then I need to remove myself because right. that's not right. You're stealing from them. So I, I decided to remove myself. My district manager wasn't too pleased about it, but it, it would, it's what had to be done. So I, I took a job with an independent pharmacy, and then I had been vo volunteering at the clinic for years. 
as a pharmacist ever since I was licensed. And I said, you know, I, I could just give more time there. Why don't I do that? So, you know, when I came home and my wife didn't leave me after I told her I quit my job and I'm going to go do this <laughs> wild-eyed uh, thing. And she's kind of, she's just gotten, gotten used to me saying, you know, I had a thought or I had a dream last night. It's usually uh, her response. She knows where I'm going that, you know, the Lord's saying something to me. So I, I did really feel that, that the Lord was saying something to me. So I, I started working at an independent pharmacy and within a month as the Lord moves, the director who was a mentor of mine for many years and many years after said, you know, Justin, I'm, I'm going to move along and I think you should apply. Yeah. I was 29 years old, never written a grant in my life. And I was like, that sounds crazy. But after I prayed on that, it just became clear to me that's where I had to go. So when you say you, you wrote a grant, does that mean you had to fund your position? I funded everything. I, I was I was dancing for my dinner, man. Like if I didn't find it, it wasn't going to get found. So wow. I was grant writing. I was doing the fundraising. I was, I was all of it. Uh, and it was, I mean, a couple of really shaky years where I just, you know, I, I, <laughs> I drive to the clinic and just had myself a good cry for <laughs> went inside yeah. and said, Lord, help me find money. And yeah. it came. The Lord provided. He did always. Justin, I can only imagine in talking with you a few times that we've talked that by giving nine years of your life, nearly nine years of your life to the free clinic, that it had to be difficult for you to walk away at that point and come to Cedar Care. How difficult was it to leave and come to Cedar Care? Well, I, I'll tell you, Mark, you know, I've, uh, over the span of that time, I did a lot of reading. Great leaders read. And so I did a lot of, uh, you know, if I could have um, taken like 40 uh, leadership self-development books and, and, you know, grinded them up and snorted them, I would have, you know, just to get as much knowledge in my brain as possible about what makes a good leader what why are leaders why are great leaders great leaders you know jim you could go down the line jim collins stephen Covey, all of them all the greats and the one thing they all talked about was seasons there's seasons for things there's seasons for growth there's seasons for uh for creating a process and procedure around Mm -hmm. your growth and i felt at the time uh with the clinic that there was a season coming and my DNA was all over that place, Mark. And so I, I thought, you know, I care so much about this place that removing myself is probably the safest thing I can do because if not, everybody's going to rely upon me for everything always forever. And I'll say that uh, they're, they're, doing, they're doing fine, but it was very telling in that first month that I was, I was out of there. Uh, there were so many people scrambling and, mm-hmm. you know, you try to do your best to lay it out and say, okay, this is what you do. This is how you, you do this. Um, but you turn around and realize, you know, there's some things you just did, you know, why'd you do it this way? Why did you decide to go this, this route instead of that route? I don't know. Prayed about it and did it. Yeah. I don't know. So I think it's really, it was a really good time. Uh, it was hard to walk away. Yeah. It, it always is. And there are people that, are, that were under our care that, you know, may have not made it. And I, I carry them along with me. But, um, you know, I, God, God wants me to grow yeah. and I've got to move in order to grow. Uh, and sometimes you got to stay in order to grow. Correct. And there were moments in that career where I said, you know what, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore, um, but I'm going to stay upon the Lord's strength. I mean, at the time in order to make ends meet, I, I worked two other jobs. So I would work a full day at the clinic and then I would go work in an independent pharmacy or I had some gig that I would do for a doctor and help him set up a pharmacy. I mean, I was... I was just dragging. I was just dragging. We had two kids. Um, so 
that had to end and it did while we're still at the clinic, but then, you know, finances got tighter and, uh, you know, those sacrifices had to be made. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was very timely for me to go actually. Yeah. And if it wasn't, I wouldn't have, I would yeah. never run from a hard job just because it's too hard. Yeah. I, I stepped away because I knew that it was time for me to yeah. let another, another leader come in. So you mentioned, um, you know, in leadership about seasons. Mm. So how did you know it was the season for you to come to Cedar Care? I have been working with Cedarville University since the inception of, well, I wouldn't say the inception, but when they got serious about this pharmacy program, uh, I came over here and I met a guy by the name of Thad. Thad Franz. Thad Franz, Dr. Franz. Uh, he and I kind of grew up in our positions together. So we were always like, uh, you know, brothers from another mother kind of thing going where we would converse. And then the experiential uh, program started and I said, yeah, I want to have one of the first students. Bring, bring them over, man. I want to do this. I want to be a preceptor for you. So he and I have always touched base and uh, kept up with each other. And so he, he'd reached out to me actually and said, hey, look, there's this thing over here that you want to look at because I think it hits all your boxes and you hit all of ours. And yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a bit of a, a, a love affair with the organization as soon as I laid on, eyes on it. I knew, I knew what you had over here was once in a lifetime opportunity for me. It just doesn't come along. And, and I'm experienced enough. I wouldn't say I'm wise enough. I'm experienced <laughs> enough to know when that's right in front of you, where I think some other pharmacists who maybe were younger, didn't have as many experiences, wouldn't have looked at it like that. But I, I knew exactly, I um, can't say exactly, but I, I knew what I was walking into and I was pretty pleased about it. And so far, I, I'm just so stoked. I keep telling people, I feel like somebody just threw me keys to a Ferrari and told me, you know, don't don't go too fast, son. Yeah. Just have fun with it, though. Have fun with it. Yeah, you're right. Keep it under control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you've been in the job uh, three to four months at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, what have you seen from your time working with the staff, working with the students, working with the residents who come in and need your care? What have you seen that really encourages you, that wants you to continue to, to care for these people? Passion. Um, passion and a mission-focused. The, the staff there, um, in particular, uh, Don, Leanne, Riley, they're, they're our technician staff. Um, they... They uh, grew up in the community. Don didn't, but she's been around here. Um, she's been in community pharmacy, and they have a passion for caring for people. And if you've ever met a technician that's lost that, you know it. And I never want to see that. I always say to them, hey, if you come in here, you know, we're not going to, you don't enjoy coming to work every day. But if that's how the consensus every day that you don't like coming here, we need to change something, and I, as the leader, need to change it. Yeah. Um, Jocko Willink, if you bring, if you read any of his stuff, he says, you know, there are there are no bad employees, there are bad leaders. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's that one out of ten that's like, okay, no, actually, you're a bad employee, and you need a new opportunity with your life. <laughs> but uh, it's it's on me to make sure that they enjoy the work that they're doing. And the same thing with students; they should enjoy the experience that they right. have there. Um, and they should take it seriously. So that's that's the two things. I want them to have joy while they're working because joy is infectious and it leads to passion. Um, and, and I want them to take that work seriously. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Uh, you know, I, I may be a rare person, but I really do look forward to Mondays being able to come yeah. back to work yeah. and see my colleagues and work on some projects that the Lord has put in my lap that uh, I just marvel at that he allows me to do. So um, that's absolutely right. If you don't take a, a moment to breathe deeply in, 
before you walk into work and just say, thank yeah. you, Lord, for this. Yeah. You know, it's, you need to find something else. Just let me go back to your time at the free clinic. Yeah. Um, I've already mentioned that your heart was to care for the underserved population. Yeah. So what is your vision for Cedar Care? And is there a way to incorporate your heartbeat for the underserved at Cedar Care? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. It's actually one that kind of can keep me up sometimes because the, my biggest fear was that I get so busy with this thing that here at Cedar Care that I just leave some of those passions behind and not and, and realize, you know, you know, a year into it, oh man, I'm I'm totally missing that. Um, one thing is day to day. We we look for ways to make sure people are taken care of. So that that kind of scratched that itch a little bit, but I I am having some behind the scenes conversations about something that we could do at Cedar Care that would be pretty big uh, if we could pull that off. I think more than not, it's just reaching into the community. How can we do outreach? You know, blood pressure screenings at at the food pantry or soup kitchen. That's what we're looking at right now. That's that's step one. So and and basically what that does is it builds trust. And it takes about a year to build that kind of trust, but it builds trust with those folks who are interacting in, in that way. And then, you know, my my job is to be innovative with the position. Well, there's nothing more innovative, I feel, than to do true preventative care. And true preventative care means I find people before they get sick. I locate them. Uh, so that's the big deal with outreach is that if I can take your blood pressure and your blood sugar and see, say, Hey, you're walking down a really scary road. Um, here, can we help you, uh, and catch them before their diabetes or their heart attack? That's what I want to do. So that's how I can be servant to these folks. How do you get those people in the door so that you can give those checks? Yeah. So that we go to them, okay. it's outreach. So I find where the foot traffic is for those populations. I go there. Um, do you think that folks are just going to run straight over to our little booth and say, please take my blood sugar? No, they, they, they want nothing to do with that because they're human and humans don't want to know those things. Um, so you build trust, you hang out, you, you break bread with them, you cut yeah. up with them, you get to know them. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually that trust builds into something. Right. If you, if you can't uh, look at someone and, and love on them, then they're certainly not going to let you right. stab them stab with a piece them. of steel. Yeah. Right. So earlier, uh, just a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, community. Yeah. And now in your mind, is community the village of Cedarville or is it greater than the village of Cedarville? Oh, in in my opinion, yeah, it's much greater than the, the village of Cedarville. So here in, the, in this area, it's very rural. Right. And uh, if you're in healthcare and you say the word rural, you're thinking, I mean, you have certain thoughts that come in your mind because there's higher payments that you can get from insurance. Okay, that's one. There's sicker people. That's two. Mm. I tend to focus on the sicker people and why are they sicker? Well, it could be transportation. It could be education about a certain disease state that's complex. Diabetes, complex disease state. Uh, and we need to be helping those, those folks out. So uh, I think the more we can stretch out into the rural communities surrounding Cedarville as well, and we do deliver, uh, we deliver out to Jamestown, Yellow Springs. Those are areas that we need to look long and hard at and say, hey, can we be doing more? What about Springfield? Or Springfield, sure, right down the road. Cedar Care uh, Village Pharmacy, Justin, is known as a teaching pharmacy. It's kind of a unique um, moniker to, to add to Very. a pharmacy because a lot of pharmacies aren't known by that. But the reason why that is is because really the pharmacy began through our school of pharmacy. And, it, right. and our pharmacy students really get uh, practical, hands-on experience um, right. with, with you. Uh, how important 
are the lessons that the students learn in the pharmacy with you? How, how important is it for them? And then how, how important is it for you? Yeah. So I've, like I said, I was a preceptor before I was the director of Cedar Care. So I've always valued those interactions. And here's the deal. It, didactic information is great, but application of the didactic is what really makes the practitioner. So I, I've, I've never been really good at the teaching the didactic, but I've been great at the application. I think it's because I just talk too much. You know, I, I always got something going on in my head and I just spill it out. I, I word vomit over these poor kids, <laughs> but it gives them a, an insight. Like why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, here's why this is the way my mind works. And this is why I would say, do it this way. Here are the guidelines. How are we going to apply those guidelines? How do we interact with that patient? Let's do that together. Um, and I, and I also working with students, I love to watch them fail. Sure. That's Ooh, where less, that's it. where learning is. That's where it's place. at. You know, and I've had, I, I've had, you know, kids come in my office just in tears, like, you know, because of a failure and no, 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 no. Failure is good. You're fail, fail now. Right. Yeah, I'm your safety net fail now. I, I want to talk to you through that. That's okay. And oh, by the way, here's how I failed once. You know what I mean? Right. Make it relative. Uh, there's a book entitled uh, Why Hospitals Should Fly that talks about taking the same process and procedure that the airlines take and applying them to hospitals. Huh. Hey, there's no one to blame here necessarily. There could be a process breakdown. Let's evaluate that. So I, that's the same approach I take to, to the students. Now, to your question, how are they important to me? Well, they just sharpen me. They sharpen me constantly. Every month they come in here, I have to explain to them why I do what I do. And I get to ask them, what do you want to do? And uh, I get to mentor some of them. I get to give some of them some assets that, that I have at my disposal that, that I love to do that. Uh, we don't stay on the razor's edge like we are at Cedar Care if we don't have these students. So okay. it's, it's absolutely vital. We continue to be a teaching pharmacy. So it provides better care for the residents who come in. Better care for the residents. It, it, yeah, and it, right. At the end of the day, yes, that's correct. Because we're going to be on top of the best education. Right. So you mentioned monthly. So it sounds like you get an, a number of students each month and that rotates through. Yeah. Is that true? How many students a month do you work well, with? Well, it, it depends on the different levels of students. So for those who are of the know in the pharmacy world, there's appies, there's ippies. So year one, two, and three of your pharmacy education, those are called the ippy students. And then the fourth is appy. So the fourth year students, we get uh, once a month, one a month. Uh, the IPPs are, are, are longitudinal. So we can have five or six at a time that come in in different days. And each one is getting a, to learn a new aspect of, of the profession. So yeah, it's a revolving door, really. So our, our goal is just to make sure that they, they know that they're individually, they're valued. So we, we create some programs around those longitudinal timelines to ensure that they get the education they need. So I think you mentioned this a little bit, little bit ago. Um, does the energy of the students um, motivate you and, and, sure. and make you uh, step up your game? Yeah, pretty much has to. So you're, and it, it which is, there's pros and cons because I'm usually pretty mentally exhausted after having a student, but yeah, it is like a shot of coffee to, to be with uh, a student who is just dying to know why you do what you do and how you do what you do and what, you know, learning a new process. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you don't get energy from that, then obviously you need to stay away from teaching. Good point. Mm. And I want to transition in the final part of our podcast yeah. and to go from pharmacy to Jesus. Yeah. Um, 
I know you would not have been offered this position if you didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's right. So can you share with us your spiritual journey, how you met Jesus? And Yeah. You, you know, I, listening to, to Jenna Reno's podcast, I, I kind of like, yeah, I kind of felt the same way where he'd mentioned, I kind of just always was a Christian. You know, I got right. saved at uh, eight years old. Uh, my, my grandparents, I came from a broken home. So my grandparents did a lot of the raising me in early years and they were devout Christians. They're very strong in their faith. Uh, two things they told me I was going to do. I was going to serve Christ and I was going to go to college. You know, they just valued education too so much. So they, they really had a big impact on my life. But, uh, yeah, you know, in, I did, you know, I, again, I wish Cedarville university would have been here because I went to, uh, Ohio Northern and they didn't have as strong as a, a religious community. And so I, I walked away from Christ in those years where okay. I, I, I was a believer. I, I believe that God was the, um, God was always there. And I, you know, I was always thinking I'd get back to him. I'll get back to you, God, you know, or, or I'd be involved in some things I shouldn't have been involved in. And he would pray in that moment. Hey God, keep me safe while I do the things I know I shouldn't do. I mean, sure. how ridiculous is that? But after, after I got through those college years, I started into my career. I just, you know, you felt that emptiness and I realized I'm, I'm, I'm missing the Lord. I'm, yeah. I, I got to pay attention. I got to, I got to return his phone calls, man. I got to mm-hmm. get back on it. So I, I redevoted myself to that and very great timing because it was right before I met my, my wife. And so our relationship started off with that as the cornerstone. Hey, look, I'm, I'm sold out for Christ. So we're going to do things right. And, you know, um, all down the line and it really made such an impact on my marriage and then obviously floated in my career you right, know i'm right. with this big giant retail chain and you know their values aren't my values i always say if you can't tattoo your the mission statement of the firm you're with on your heart then you need to leave you know that, that's how serious you need to take it right. and uh so that's that's how i've always felt uh, and so that, and that all comes back to my relationship with christ yeah so in your return to jesus yeah was there a situation that prompted that, yeah. or was it just in your mind you just knew you needed to do this? There was a uh, there was a there was a girl. There was a relationship that fell apart, and I thought, you know, I was putting this person on this pedestal and asking them to fulfill a void in my life that's not right. That should be Jesus. So yeah, that was that was kind of the tipping point for me. It was like you know, I was early twenties. I'm like, you know, I, I got this career thing going, but. Uh, would want a want a, uh, a wife and family, but I, you know, if I couldn't do it the right way, I didn't want to do it at all. So, um, a lot of men still have a lot of growing up to do. Right. Twenty plus years old. I'll oh, say absolutely, that. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. Even uh, even later in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm getting close to forty. I think I might be there. I might. I don't know. I, maybe I'm not there. You might be forty, or you might be there. I might be getting close to forty. <laughs> I might be getting close to forty. I'll leave it up to the listeners. Uh, own own opinion there of what I've just said, but yeah, I I just I am really I was really lucky that that Christ got back a hold of me right. uh, before something bad happened. So um, you talk about reading and different things. One of my favorite podcasts that I like to listen to is Sports Spectrum. So yeah. the reason why I like it is it um, intersects sport with faith. Oh wow! Okay, so I hear I hear professional athletes talk about their spiritual conversion and their spiritual journey. It's fabulous. Sports awesome. spectrum. Check that out. But, the, but likewise for our podcast here, I want to intersect faith with pharmacy. Yeah. So how can you from this day forward intersect your faith in the, in your role as a pharmacist so that you have opportunities for 
uh, discipleship, evangelism, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I try to keep it as simple as possible. Christ is love, um, and with love there's kindness. So we have the unique opportunity in pharmacy to interact and interface with people on bad days. When you're sick, it's a bad day. Um, you know, you just got out of the hospital and you're, you're having a bad day. So our opportunity is to, to stop, slow down, look that person in the eyes, and, and if nothing else, say, how are you? How are you doing? Right. You know, and it, it's the simple things. Yeah, we have, we have the, you know, we're, we're on the razor's edge with some of the therapies that we can provide at the pharmacy, but at the end of the day, I, you know, the reason I love giving vaccines is because it's an opportunity for me to put my hand on mm. the shoulder of somebody. Mm. I'm going to stab them. <laughs> sure you are. Yeah, but I can, uh, you know, uh, j- just recently I was giving a vaccine to this precious five-year-old little girl and just to be able to to put my hand on her shoulder and we have a we have a technique we use with kids to kind of massage the shoulder and get their attention elsewhere. And um, that was just, I mean, that could bring tears to your eyes just to be able to say, you know, honey, I know this isn't going to feel great, but I'm, you know, I'm putting, I'm putting something in you that's going to help you fight. So let's do mm-hmm. that. And, um, you know, her mom, there supporting that. And so it's just, those are the moments I value the most. I don't care what I'm injecting in. Uh, that doesn't sound good, but I, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter to me what therapy I'm providing. It matters to me that I can put my hand on someone and say, I, I want to help you any way that I can. Yeah. And I want to love on you because I think that's what Christ would want in mm-hmm. this moment. And so if, if I don't make one more dime, you know, doing what we do, uh, I wouldn't care. I'd still do this sort of stuff. You know, maybe it'd be in the hills of Haiti or somewhere else, but I, I just, I can't think of any other way. God, God gave me this gift for this reason. Right. I, I, I can't, you know, this is my, my love song to God. This is my gift back to God for all he's done and sending his son to die for us. You know, it's all I know to do. It's, it's just give what I've got back. Keep giving. And uh, to me, that is a great uh, example of the intersection of faith and pharmacy mm. and just giving, caring, uh, continually gi- giving and caring to people. So uh, yeah. I, I really appreciate that uh, insight. Thanks. You know, we're about out of time, but I had time for one more question. Uh-uh. And I know because you've alluded to it many times today that, uh, you're a faithful listener to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Faithful. So you probably know what question I'm going to ask you. (laughs) So tell me, um, Justin, um, as we strive to tell Cedarville Stories for God's glory, how are you trying or believing you are bringing God glory through your life? Mm -hmm. So I think by the choices of where I decide to take the talent he's given me, the the bit of talent he's given me. I think what I want students to hear uh, is, hey, with the education you're going to receive here at this university, which is renowned, you had better take it and do something amazing with it uh, because it it means something to somebody mm-hmm. when you do it in the name of Christ. So I think that's what I'd say is, hey, don't sell out for money. I've been there and done that. Right. Uh, don't don't make material your your only desire. Been there and done that. Uh, I can tell you that if if you will go off and do a thing, you know, for maybe eight or nine years that doesn't look that attractive financially, but you know you're going to grow in Christ, um, go there. 
Go there, pray over where your next steps are in your career and follow the will of the Lord. It's going to take you some weird places, man, but it's worth it. And and that just um, reinforces in my mind the, the song, Christ is All I Need, that yeah. Dr. Dixon used to uh, lead in chapel all the time back in the years. Right. Is really the, the ultimate answer. And um, I thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, for the 30 minutes or so that we've been together, um, I think um, there's a great, a great future for our pharmacy, for one. But more than that is how you and your staff are going to care for students and residents who come into the pharmacy for, for service, not just medical attention, but actually spiritual needs. So thanks for being willing and able to tackle those needs. Thank you so much, Mark. I just want to add, you know, one last time, just my, I feel so lucky to have the staff that we have at Cedar Care. Without them, I'm, I could do nothing. So I just wanted to make sure it's understood that they're just, they're amazing. I got to walk in on that. And That's great. Be a part of it. Thanks for joining me this week on the podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.